The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. This is the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 2.35 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. A reminder at 3 o'clock, we'll get the next bunch of uh, auction items up for grabs for the 6.30 Chad Santa's Anonymous auction. Uh, between 3 and 4, we have that uh, three nights accommodations for two at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas in April. And then two tickets anywhere WestJet flies. And then that great night out uh, with uh, me and the gals from uh, Global Television. We'll do that between 4 and 5. Right now, though, uh, a very... Very cool. Very cool discovery in a provincial park in B.C. In May, a helicopter pilot spotted something that had never been seen before. It's in Wells Gray Provincial Park in East Central B.C. And when the pilot touched down, he called geologist Dr. Catherine Hickson. Dr. Hickson joins us now. Thanks for taking the time. Well, you're most welcome. It, it is a very exciting uh, find, so I'm happy to talk about it. Okay, well, it, it's a, it, the find was a cave, but it's no ordinary cave. Uh, Catherine, tell us about it. Well, it's, it's in an area that caves are very unusual. And in fact, when Ken first contacted me, and, you know, he said, well, you know, we think we found, well, we found this hole, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and my specialty is actually volcanoes. It's not caves. Okay. I did my Ph.D. on the volcanoes of Wells Gray Park, but I've had a, that was a number, many years ago, um, but I've had a long-time association with the, with the park, and that's why parks officials basically told Ken, well, get in touch with me because maybe she knows something. <laughs> so... As soon as I saw the photos, though, I, I knew this wasn't a volcano, it wasn't a crater, it was something much different. And fortunately, I have a, a circle of friends and colleagues, uh, among whom are, are expert cavers, one of them being John Pollock. So I shot the photos off to him, and I said, John, what do you think? And almost instantly, you know, <laughs> the phone comes back, and, <laughs> and it's like, wow. Yeah. With a lot of expletive deleted, because it is really remarkable. So uh, it's it's huge, isn't it? Yes, it is very large. And as I say, it's it is unusual in this area um, and it's certainly unusual for its size as well. So caves aren't normally found in that area? No. If you think about caves, mostly we think about them say from the, the Rocky Mountains and you know when people from Edmonton travel west and go through the mountains, mm-hmm. you know, they see these towering cliffs and these big, thick bands of limestone in many cases. And what has happened, though, is those limestones and silts and shales and whatnot have been deeply buried. So on the BC side of the border, um, in the Omanicas, not in the Rockies, those rocks have been deeply buried then uplifted. And in that burial and then uplift, they've been tortured. They've been high pressure, uh, subjected to high pressures and temperatures. They've been twisted and, and deformed. So it, you don't see those lovely, uh, continuous, thick bands of limestone. You see thin layers of marble with other rocks interspersed with them. So it, it is an unusual, but not completely unknown, and it's called stripe karst. 
Um, so it's not completely unknown, but it is unusual. Okay, so when we talk about the size of this, you know, people are talking, you guys are talking that it's potentially the largest cave in Canada. So what what is your best guesstimate, I guess, right now at the size of it, and how do you go about determining the full size of it? Well, you got to get into it. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, and, and that is... That is definitely a challenge. So we were only able to, and only one of our party, Lee Hollis, was able to enter. And, and I mean, the, the plan was that only Lee would, uh, would go down as far as um, he was able. And, of course, what he came across and what we knew, because we could look down in the bottom, and what we could see is significant snow and ice as well, is there's basically a small river that flows into the cave. So a huge amount of water, lots of mist and spray and whatnot. So he was just able to go down about 100 meters. And at that point, you know, we needed more time, more more equipment and whatnot to investigate further. So he didn't walk down, he, he rappelled down, Oh, right? no, he had to, yes. It, it's a straight drop. It, it literally is a vertical drop. So I mean, it's just it, like a big hole in the ground? It is. Just like a big <laughs> hole in the ground. <laughs> you know, it's like standing on the top of a skyscraper and looking straight down. So how was it that this wasn't spotted before? Well, it is in a very remote area, really a corner of the park that does not get tourists. Um, if you are an alpine climber, for example, or a mountain climber, um, it is, it's not kind of on any route that would mm. take you up to the, the close peaks that are, are nearby. Um, most people come up through the high country there from the lakes, okay. and this is east of the major lakes. So it's just, it is tucked away in a place that really, you know, even if we're talking about, say, First Nations or, uh, uh, you know, early hunters and explorers and whatnot, this is not an easy place to get to. So, you know, we're still working with uh, First Nations in terms of consultation to see if, you know, there's anything in their oral history that might, um, you know, suggest that there's a cave in this area. But so far we've come up with nothing. With nothing. Uh, Is it, I'm guessing that um, you you talk about the snow and the ice. Was it possible that it just filled with snow and ice for thousands of years or hundreds of years and it's it's melted over the past how many years and that's a part of it yes absolutely so it is in a place where it's actually underneath of a large avalanche um avalanche slope now the glaciers have retreated from this area several thousands of years ago so it would have formed underneath of the glacier during the last glaciation and that glaciation ended about 10,000 years hmm. ago so it would have formed underneath, and potentially it would have been subjected to a number of glacial episodes. Because, you know, though we don't think about it very often, in fact, Canada has been covered with glaciers more often in the last three million years than it, in fact, has been uncovered. Anyway, that being said, the glacier retreated from that area 7, 000, several thousand years ago. But it is in um, a place where it will accumulate a huge amount of ice and snow. And in fact, when we first saw the pictures, the reason we didn't release or, or say anything about it is it was full of ice and snow. Okay. And it was very difficult to tell, in fact, you know, 
was it a cave? Was it a big hole? Um, you know, how how deep might it be? So you were able to figure out, though, that it was a cave because there was the water running through it and you found where the water started on the other side? Yes, absolutely. So we do find an area that um, we're pretty confident that, in fact, that is the outlet for the cave. And, um, you know, it's in it's kind of in the right place topographically um, and geologically as well in terms of strata that we see. So we have found an outlet for it, but of course we can't prove that <laughs> until somebody goes in um, or we have another way of testing whether or not the, the water that we see. But certainly there's a lot of water going in. How deep it goes, um, you know, how far underground in the sense are, you know, is this a torturous channel yeah. that it takes to this outlet? Is there more than one outlet? We don't have any of that kind of understanding yet. Dr. Catherine Hickson, a geologist, joining us this afternoon. We're talking about the discovery of what's being called the potentially largest cave in Canada. I am absolutely fascinated uh, by this, and I just want to know more and more and more, and I'm sure you do. You're, you are the <laughs> geologist, so this is what you do. Um, I just backtrack a little bit. So when the, when you got when you received that first phone call, when the, when the pilot came down, they talked to him and said, you need to call, you need to call Catherine, and they told you and you saw these pictures for the first time, did you think, holy smokes? Uh, yeah, with a few expletives. Yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> you know, because as soon as I saw the pictures, um, you know, I realized that this was extremely unusual. And because of its size, and then, of course, you know, what in fact was it? Was it some kind of an explosion? You know, what, hmm. what could create this kind of a hole? Um, it, you know, so, so absolutely, that was my first reaction was, oh, my goodness, what the heck is this? And fortunately, because of my, my colleague, John Pollock, I had somebody that I could send those pictures to and say, yeah, well, yeah. Wait, what do you think? So for you to <laughs> the even... same reaction. Yeah, so, and, and for you to even get up there to see it, you had to get all sorts of permits and, and that sort of thing, didn't you? That's correct. I mean, you can't land in the park uh, with a helicopter just, you know, as, mm. at a whim. So, well, I mean, parks obviously knew about this find. They knew that I was being contacted. And uh, so I started, a, you know, a dialogue with parks as to, you know, what it might be, how we would, we would be able to, uh, you know, confirm whether or not it was a cave or not. And as I say, I enlisted the help of my friend John. And, uh, you know, so he handled the okay, we need to get on the ground, this is what we need to do, these are the people we need to have, and this is the equipment and whatnot. So John took care of all of that stuff from a logistics point of view, um, helped me work on the permits to continue the dialogue with parks, and then to get the permit. And then we also knew that because of the amount of snow and ice in it, as well as the water, the only possibility to enter this cave is late in the season mm. once all the snow and ice is melted and the water is uh, you know there's less water so when it. do we think that could happen well that <laughs> we knew that would be in September so it was back basically back in June that we made the decision that the second week of September uh, would be the week that we would mobilize and be be on standby basically in clear water to go into the cave, and 
so, and, and of course, if I need you to remember back, because I actually ended up in Edmonton. Edmonton's my hometown. Oh, okay. I was yeah. born and raised there. <laughs> and so as part of this trip, it was to actually end up in, in Edmonton. I have a niece who lives south of, uh, south of town. And uh, so that was kind of all part of this. So Saturday, John and Lee, uh, Lee Hollis, uh, we met, and um, uh, we were very graciously hosted by uh, some people there, and we waited, and it was a horrible day. Yeah. Um, not great, and Sunday morning, so we had given ourselves the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday window, but the weather forecast mm. was, I mean, worse for Monday and Tuesday. So we met with the pilot, Ken, and said, well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And we just kind of crossed our fingers and hoped we would be able to get in among the clouds and whatnot, and we did. And in fact, it was um, it was a great day. It wasn't one of those bright, you know, incredibly sunshiny days. But in fact, the 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 fact that we had low overcast was was actually a contributing factor to being able to see the cave well. Because we didn't have strong shadows, okay. The you know the light was kind of diffuse, which is another reason why people in the past may never have noticed it. Because you know if you're looking, if you're say flying in a plane and you're looking, uh, you know you're high up and you're looking down into a valley, uh, you see strong shadows. You know depending on what time of day, and you would not be able to un- to really see that this was a hole. It wasn't. It just wasn't a, a you know a strong shadow. So what happens now? And I'm getting questions on the text line. People are wondering about uh, you know. Do you think that there's precious metals in there? Uh, <laughs> you know, when can you no. when when can you get all the way through? Will you ever be able to get all the way through? When can you actually explore this more? Well, we are now working with parks, and uh, we will be putting together um, permits for next year. And again, it will be late in the season when the, the water is minimal and there are, you know, hopefully not a lot of snow and ice in it. And it will take a team of experts because because of the water. I mean, as well as being a cave, you've got all this water. Yeah. So it likely will require, um, um, you know, potentially even scuba gear yeah. uh, and whatnot. So the plan is to go back next year and, and essentially to apply for permits and hopefully we'll be able to get those permits from parks um, and have a, a bit more of a reconnaissance to be there several days okay. and to be able to see how far you can get down, also to look at where the resurgence is. So to, to kind of set up an expedition for 2020, which would be you know more people and would build on our learning from the from next year. Oh, you know what, Catherine? You you must be just so excited about this. I don't know how you're going to wait until 2020 <laughs> well, to, to, to do all of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, what has been really hard is not being able to talk about it, and that was because of the consultations with First Nations and yeah. whatnot that were underway, and with parks in general. 
So, um, yeah, it, it, has been, it has been hard. <laughs> well, you know what? We hope that we can talk to you about it again in the future. I'd love to get an update uh, next year and then the following year. Please, let's stay in touch. And this has just uh, captivated my imagination, and I can't wait to learn more about it. So please keep the information coming when you can. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's Dr. Catherine Hickson joining us this afternoon. Talking about this uh, huge cave that has been spotted in this park in BC. Some of your questions coming in this afternoon. It is in the uh, Wells Gray Provincial Park. And someone asked, you know, well, how big is this? Well, the opening of the cave itself is the size of a football field. It's 100 meters by 60 meters. If if you're at home and uh, you've got the computer in front of you and you're curious to find out some more information about it, just Google Cave Discovery in BC and there's actual footage of the opening of it. Now, of course, it could only get in about uh, 80 meters, they said, rappelling down into it. They do believe they have found uh, where the, uh, the, the water is coming from on the other side. So it's going to be fascinating to see uh, what more information they find out uh, about it. Um, Dr. Hickson was telling us that uh, they're talking with Indigenous um, members uh, in that area to see if there's any oral history of, of this cave. And actually, when you look at the picture, it does look like straight down, it looks like a hole, but then it goes back. Um, and so far, they haven't found anything. They believe it was filled with snow and ice for a very, very long time. And they plan on doing some more exploration coming up. And again, I don't know why I find this stuff so fascinating, but uh, I do. And I, I thank Dr. Hickson for taking the time to come on the show to talk about it this afternoon. We're going to take a break coming up here. For the 3 o'clock news on the other side, you know who just walked into the studio? Yeah, the one and only (laughs) Jennifer Crosby from Global Edmonton. She's sitting across from me. We are going to tell you about this great auction item for 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous. It is called the Ultimate Ladies' Night Out, but it doesn't just have to be the ladies. No, it can be anybody. It's just going to be hosted by some of the global girls along with me. Kent Morrison's going to be there. We might have another, uh, a few other tricks up our sleeve as the day goes by as well. So we have two packages to start auctioning off right after the 3 o'clock news. Uh, we'll start with those tickets uh, and that trip to Vegas and tickets to anywhere WestJet flies and then we'll get to this uh, great ladies night out which is going to be absolutely spectacular. The number that you need to know going into this is 4960063 4960063 if you have any questions you can give me a text as well at 630 630. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.